3: The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together.
4: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Gravity (laughs) Leadership Podcast. My name is Ben Hardman, and uh, we got a special podcast for you guys today because... All three of us are actually in the same room.
2: It's an it's a it's a Festivus miracle.
4: It's a Festivus for the rest of us. Uh, I am here <laughs> with my co-founders Matt Tebby and Aaron Sternkey. Hey guys, and we are in. Where are we? Somewhere in Michigan, New Wago, Michigan, New Wago, north of Grand Rapids, New Wago, Michigan. It is snowing here. Yeah, it's winter wonderland out here. We're I'm
1: busy. We're we're busy working on our business. <laughs> we're uh, yeah, we're doing a business retreat. Yeah. Doing yeah. some strategic planning, trying to get first time we've our ever done anything right, like this. Get our <coughs> heads straight.
4: Yep, we're all wearing suits. Where we've got <laughs> we uh, very, businessy. very businessy, very businessy today.
1: I've got my teal climbing pants on, and I ha- I have schmutz all over them. I don't know what it came from. It's like mm. this white.
2: Well Ben was bleeding earlier. You had a nosebleed? Yeah, nose it was bleed. a
4: rough it was a rough business meeting this morning. <laughs> it, it, it went all sorts of wrong. If you've
2: never done a business meeting guys, watch out for the blood. Cuz
4: yeah. All over your shirt. There was some weeping. It was crazy. It was crazy. And, yeah. You know. yeah no, was,
2: but in all seriousness, I like we've done we've done like one day of work uh with a friend of ours Jay uh, who's helping us th- think through some business processes for our organization. Can we put his That's information been really in the show
1: notes? Yeah, since we're talking about the work he's doing, that's a
2: great idea. We'll put his name is Jay Hidalgo. He does coaching and strategy and planning for businesses and stuff like that. And and um, he loves Jesus. And he loves Jesus. He's a good man. He's a good guy in in many ways. But we've yeah, we just found it really helpful to. Yeah, he's helped us tremendously today. We're like three pastors who started an organization that coaches and trains pastors. And like, we love the ministry of that. We love the coaching. We love being in a room with people. We love helping them with that. But we find, man, we need a lot of help in the. The organizational elements of kind of running an organization like this, its it's, uh, it's been really helpful. Yeah. We've, we've never claimed it. to
4: be uh, brilliant at finance or... No. No. ...sales we're And we're, and we're
2: it's, clearly not. Yeah. yeah. It'd be like so if,
1: if Chrissy Yamaguchi decided to open an ice skating rink. I mean, she knows how to ice skate, but running a rink?
2: Yeah. There's a, there's a lesson there. A that's, a whole, right, that's, that's a perfect metaphor. Isn't that a great metaphor? really
1: It's really
2: that's good. It's the e-myth thing. Really, yeah. Yeah. Speaking, yeah. Of, anyway. speaking of myths, and today we're going to talk about
4: E.
1: We're going to talk about the Enneagram, yes. the greatest myth of them all. Yes, Ben Harbin, you want to talk about that?
4: <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about okay. it. We're, we're going to we're we're gonna gonna talk about, about we're that today. Talk about we're gonna, I'm, I, I'd love to tell you that we're going to be talking about that today, <sighs> yeah. among other things. Among other things. Well, we, We're starting a series, right? Where yeah. We're going to starting spend a little some time b- talking about the Enneagram. Why don't, Ben mm-hmm. Sternky why don't you tell us about it? I can it? tell.
2: I, I'll say what I know. Uh, we're <laughs> gonna, you say something. And I'll say then, something and see if it strikes. Out with it. Yeah. You know, uh, so we want to start a little little mini-series on the Enneagram. Um, there's a lot of podcasts out there that'll teach you about the Enneagram. There's a lot of books and resources and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we do actually do Enneagram uh, workshops. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we uh, get going. But uh, the the focus of this podcast... Why are,
1: are we think, doing a series on it? Why are we going we well, to waste se-
4: people's time? <coughs> Come on, Ben. The... Uh, the uh, just <laughs> gave everybody eyes
2: there. Behave, everybody. Listen, we've been in a room together all day
1: today. Ben's been bleeding. Yeah. yeah. I've gone it's, to the, you know, the boys' room several uh, times. And yeah. this has been a, we've, it's been
2: a lo- We've done a lot of work today. We're trying to blow off a I feel so here. much closer to
4: you guys today. I do too. Hmm. This
1: is great.
2: So, uh, we want to, we want to talk about it because, and the, the kind of the topic for this episode is like how the Enneagram can catalyze, uh, or further your spiritual formation. Um, because there's a lot of, I think a lot of the talk of the Enneagram that I've heard lately has either been people just raving about it, like it's the next best thing like to Jesus, or maybe even better, maybe a little bit better than Jesus, right? So people are kind of like going nutso over it. And it's really, it's, it's become a popular thing. But then there's also this backlash to it where people are like, wait a second, what's the deal with the Enneagram? And mm-hmm. it's not the gospel. and. You know, we probably shouldn't trust it. And where does it come from? And it's not scientific. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so um, we actually did a webinar recently where we talked a little bit about how to use the enneagram like a Christian. But um, this podcast, I'd love to ask you guys, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll share on this as well. But how? Let's let's be a little bit autobiographical here. Instead of trying to defend the enneagram, that we can do that if we want. But Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. how uh, how has it been helpful for your own spiritual formation? Like, what, what are the artifacts of using the Enneagram in your life as it relates to your own formation in Christ-likeness? So yep. not just like, oh, it's a cool personality tool, and now people think I'm really great at parties, but like, as it relates to you becoming more and more like Christ, how's it been helpful uh, for you?
4: Yes. Other than the just telling everybody else what their number is and why they're doing that, <laughs> right? Right. It's like, the most obnoxious thing to do, right? right People yeah, yeah. love that. Oh well, you're just a one. Oh,
2: that's a that's
4: what a four would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah those things are. You shut it. So. <laughs> uh, I am. I'm a three. Mm. And uh, what is a three been? A three is a performer. Uh, and for a long time, I, I kind of thought I was a one because mm. I have this self-perfection thing that goes in me. And uh, ones tend to lead towards perfection. But my perfection is not for others. It's only for me. Uh, And so in that, I've learned a lot about uh, just my... My desire to be loved by everybody and to be approved by everybody. Get ready, right And up on that uh, uh, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> this is what we can do in the, when we're in the room together. <laughs> That's right. We, just ben, push, just, the mic ben, just push the mic closer to my face. Get up on that mic, buddy. Uh, ben Sternke,
1: making things better since 1975. Yeah, yes.
4: you have to guess what my Instagram number is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're a three. Go ahead. So anyway, um, it's been really helpful for me to learn to resist some of the desire to be upfront. Hmm. Um, That's actually one of the reasons I'm not on the podcast all the time is because that's probably the most out front we get. Uh, And one of the things I'm learning to do is to not always have to be out front, Hmm. um, to not always have to be the one that's performing. Uh, It's really redemptive for me to be able to... Um, just name the truth that I am approved and that I am loved and that I don't have to perform in order to earn God's approval Mm. Uh, and that there's people who love me for who I am and not for my ability to perform. Uh, So that's been one way that's been really helpful Mm. for me of just kind of trying to to start some habits in my life that avoid being up front and avoid being in the stage or the center of attention and then being able to name when I feel like I am performing Like, uh, you know, you walk into a room and you kind of see what the room wants you to be and you just step into that role, uh, being able to name some of that stuff has been really helpful. Um, but I think the greatest benefit for me has been relationship with my, with my wife, uh, and understanding she's a one. Uh, and so, uh, we're both perfectionists, but we're both perfectionists in different ways. Uh, so like the worst scenario we could ever have together is Ikea furniture, because, like, trying to put it together? Yeah, yeah, okay. because oh, she oh, wants oh. to follow, like, we have to follow every step perfectly. Like oh, yeah, whatever, and, and sure. I'm, no, you don't. I haven't even looked at the directions. I've mm-hmm. got it half put together, and it's wrong, like, but I'll figure it out sure. later, but she doesn't want me to do it wrong. Yes. We have to follow every step, and so she's a rule follower and mm-hmm. wants to follow every step yes and wants to do things perfectly. So mm-hmm. there's a specific way to unload the dishes, there's a specific way to make the bed, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just want people to 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 think that it's done well. I don't nobody I don't <laughs> as need long as you perceive, I don't need to actually do it right. I just need others to think that I'm doing if it somebody right. somebody walks into the room and <laughs> thinks, "Oh, that's a chair." Then
2: my work is done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know? no, I am doing fine. Yeah. That's great. So I, I hear you naming uh, Hardman uh, a couple things. Um, one is that the Enneagram helped you to name not just sort of some external behaviors, but some deeper motivations that That were present in your life, but but having the enneagram as a lens allowed light to shine into that place in your heart to be like, oh gosh, there is a tendency here. I I like the spotlight, and then to kind of pause and examine that with Christ to say, why do I like that so much? Uh, Yeah, and then also um, kind of some uh, the other thing I heard you say was some there's some understanding of others, like you, you mentioned Sarah. Uh, your wife, and so there's a ability to kind of perceive that not everybody comes from the same place as me, and there's a there's a different motivation, different kind
4: of underlying um, desires going on uh, in other people. Yeah, and oftentimes I think it, it names your mask. Like, it, it mm. names what you're hiding behind, and uh, that's been really helpful for me. And it's been, you know, for me, I think the journey of being a three and of trying to figure out what's Healthy ambition and what selfish ambition and when right. am I being real and when am I being what people want me to be that's been a lifelong struggle and trying to figure those things out and so it's been really helpful to help me name some of that stuff and even to give me some language to talk about it yeah um, and then also for you know for our for for my wife and I for us to have loads of compassion for one another for where we're at and so she's she's picked up on you know, kind of some of these things, because the Enneagram's given me some language to talk to her about it that's going on in me, and so she's often just saying to me, like, I love you no matter what you did today. Like, you you don't have yeah. to, Yeah, you didn't have to clean the whole house and mm. preach a great sermon Sunday and yeah. and do yeah. all of these things in order to earn my love today. I, I love you because you're you, and that's yeah. good. Yep. Yeah, that's the, other, beautiful. the
1: other thing I'm noticing too, Ben, is that Many of us can go through our whole lives in churches, church leadership, church cultures, being rewarded for our mask. Yeah, that's right. So that's that, what people like about you, right? So plat- yeah, church
4: planning is for threes and eights. So platform, right? like platform that's, that's Ben, we're looking for, right? platform yeah.
1: Ben is yeah. like your um, like is like your crack, right? Yeah. And so yeah. like it like feeds your ego, feeds the mask, but it's also what the people adore. The, and you have yeah. to give the people what they want, you know. Yeah. And so there's this... like.
2: Kind of reinforced internally and externally. It's, yeah. it's hard to get out of the trap. And the Enneagram is a really, really helpful and effective way of being able to see the trap, see the mask, go, oh, yeah. this isn't me. This is this is the mask I wear to kind of get through life. This yeah. is the thing I've learned to do to kind of get my needs met. Uh, that The Enneagram, I think, helps us uncover those things. Because there's at least nine different
4: ways of sort of wearing a mask to get your needs met. Yeah. So... Yeah. So your your church is like dance monkey and you're like absolutely I'd sure, love to dance sure. for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it just yeah. creates a codependency. Will you love me if I dance? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you love me more, of course I'll dance. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to do yeah, that. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's really good.
1: Mm. How about you, Matt? How about you, Ben? Oh. Oh, <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I would share my number with you, but mm. you wouldn't understand.
2: You wouldn't understand, yeah. No, well, I'm not. plus he's not like the
1: other fours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an four. What does, that, uh, what does that mean? What does that mean? It means the uh, Ingram four is an individualist, and so they like to stand out. They like to be special. They like to be noticed, and um, they like to be seen. And the underlying need for a four um, is to actually be seen. You know, mm-hmm. to see me as I really am. So fours always feel like they have to create an identity mm-hmm. so that they can be acknowledged and noticed. And that often comes out in like eccentric dress or uh, being special. A lot of artists are, th- are fours, yeah. a lot of... Um, Worship leaders.
0: Well, yeah. yeah. It can mm-hmm. be. If the skinny, skinny, if, skinny jeans.
1: If the skinny jeans fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so um, for me then, I think, man, you know, uh, the Enneagram has wings. We'll probably get into this. In, young, in my early life, I, I discovered an identity. I, was, I found my place in life by being a performer. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, I grew up in a, a, a middle school, grade school, that um, valued athletics. And I was always like a B-minus athlete. Like I would be just, just bad enough not to make the A-team. And then I'd make the B-team and like pout because I wasn't on the A-team. And, and uh, this, this guy came to our middle school when I was in junior high and he put on a musical and I auditioned and I got the lead role and like the first time in my life all these jocks and their dads were like you're good you're really good
4: mm.
1: and it, it like for the first time in my life all the people that I wanted to see me were actually seeing me mm. and so <laughs> I just leaned into <clears throat> performing and being on stage and uh, I was really good at it but it was always like this tragic fear that I wouldn't be good enough at it. And uh, yeah, so then being a four has been learning how to not get away from the stage, not get away from crafting an identity, but learning how God's redeeming that. Mm.
2: Yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting to me is is bringing this up as you talk, uh, is there's these subtle nuances because those those three and four sound similar in some ways. Yeah. um, Where you're like, okay, well, you know, you guys are both... Wanting others to see you But for a three It's a little bit more uh, For a three It's a little bit more The, the desire to be admired Esteemed then, Yeah Respected Yeah Respected, admired um, Competent But then for the, for the four It's a little bit more like Do you see me as I really am You know Which is more of a It's just got a nuance to it Right Yeah um, Yeah so And that, so
1: Yeah So for then The question that That uh, haunts a four is Who am I mm. And if you can see me then I might have an identity. Yeah, you know, because
2: the deep fear is I I actually don't. I don't have an identity. I don't have any significance, personal significance. Nope. Yeah. But There's are no...
1: n-
4: not special. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And so fours often walk through life with this chronic aching sense that they're more broken, more yeah. wounded, more yeah. sinful than anybody. Yeah. So fours tend towards being self condemning mm-hmm. um morose you know self-pitying yeah. Yeah. All, all the wonderful attributes that we really value in people <laughs> um and so uh so it's, it's actually a really um yeah. it's actually a really healthy thing for a four to reckon with the fact that they're not as bad as they think they are. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say this too, like a lot of us grew up in religious traditions, especially in conservative Protestant evangelical places, where the consistent haranguing message about your humanity is, you're, yeah. you're awful. Mm. Yeah. Like, mm. like, you, like before God, you are a worm, mm-hmm. and you're dirt, and you're nothing. Right. And, and like, that's like
2: the righteous way to talk about yourself. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, parenthetically, if you're an Enneagram 8 that's the kind of self-messaging you need to remind yourself that you actually have flaws. Right. Right? Yeah. So uh, here's my hypothesis real quick. That mm-hmm. kind of dominant American conservative <clears throat> Christianity yeah. was developed by Enneagram 8s huh. <laughs> yeah. who, who had to live in that space or else they would be complete egotistical narcissists.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. F-
1: but for the rest of us, yeah. especially fours, it just reinforces self-condemnation and self-hatred. Right.
2: It doesn't help you out of sin. It reinforces the way you're in it.
1: Right. So uh, let me be really clear. I don't preach or practice that kind of uh, gospel message. I mean, I think actually we're created with dignity and worth and value. This is what it means to be created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And even if we are flawed, broken, uh, sick, apart from Christ, there's still still inherent worth and dignity in us. So we're not worms. We're not filthy rags. It's
2: not an identity message. Yeah. Anytime I think that kind of message... Uh, floats into the identity no. category. It's it's it starts to become bad news, <laughs> right. not good news. Right? But
1: I, I sat with an Instagram eight recently and I, I told this person, hey, you've sinned against me in X, Y, and Z ways, and it was completely incomprehensible to them that I could be right. Right. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. And not yeah. all eights are like this. I've got yeah, really sure. healthy eights in my un- life. Yeah, right.
1: But an unhealthy eight yeah. assumes they're never wrong. Yeah. And so I'm just saying like what's what's a healing thought for an eight? I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can't trust my motivations. is a a damning thought for a four Mm. because a four lives in that prison all the time. Yeah, yeah. So this is why I think the Enneagram's helpful is because uh, the the fact that Jesus is Lord is this cosmic, global, meta, beautiful message that tethers to our actual life in really particular, concrete ways. Mm. And so each of us actually needs a really... um, itemized particularized hmm. specific word of good news yeah, right Yeah, yeah. That, that actually there isn't a one size fits all abstracted gospel yes.
2: yeah which is a huge I think part of the reason this resonates so much for us is this this is a huge part of our training so yep. Gravity Leadership Academy one of the things one of the main things you learn how to do both in year one and year two is you learn how to proclaim these uh, messages of good news into particular and concrete context, right? Where it's like the gospel message isn't something that I memorize and then rehearse and repeat. Uh, the gospel message is something that I learn to inhabit so that I can proclaim it to you right where you're at, yeah. as I perceive where you're at. Yeah. So I'm like, you were saying, Ben, earlier about Sarah speaking the words of good news to you. Yes that are based on what she knows about you from th- looking at you through the lens of the Enneagram. Like, he needs to know that he's affirmed and loved, even if he had a bad day, even if the sermon was, eh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, so, even if... So, you know. yeah,
1: so let me say this. So then the Enneagram then helps us understand where does the bad news most have purchase in our life? Yeah. So, so, so I need esteem, too. Yep. Right. right. Just I'm Something a we all do. Yeah, we yeah, all need esteem, yeah. right? And I think, uh, Ben, you're one. You'll talk about uh-huh. that in a second. But we all want to make things good and better and right. Yeah, that's good. But for me, my body isn't ready to believe that Mm. my identity is tied to my performance the way it is for you, Ben. Mm -hmm. And your body isn't ready to believe that I don't really exist unless you can see me the Mm. way that that is for me. So it's not like I'm not tempted towards the thing that you are. It's just that this, this is the epicenter of like, All death, destruction, and all his satanic friends in my life. This is the foothold, the stronghold. It's it's the stronghold. Yeah. It's
4: where the bad news can take root. Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: the Enneagram gives you language and a lens and then vision
4: and self awareness, right? Self awareness for
1: how to move through that. So then the Mm -hmm. the healing thing for a four isn't to like deny your fourness or to, you know, to be uh, anti four. No, there's a maturity into it. I mean, there's beautiful things. There are Mm. beautiful things. That an Enneagram 4 can offer the world. <laughs> yes. One of them is like equanimity, emotional yeah. balance. Yeah. Right? One of them is uh, uh, creative, artistic. Yeah.
2: You know, an wonder- ability to touch sort of the, 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 the pathos of the world and yeah. show it to us. Yeah. Help us see it. Yeah. Help us them- see what you see. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's yeah. a gift. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Another gift I have to offer is sarcastic jokes that grow on you. <laughs> and so there's overtime. Overtime, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh so the yeah. the, the Enneagram then isn't a static tool that puts you in a box mm-hmm. that then you have to figure your way out of. But yeah, it gives yeah. you a, a journey um it gives you a pathway of maturity and healing and holiness.
2: Yeah, totally. I I uh that that's one of the things that I I wanted to highlight about it is I I think that so much especially for me as an Enneagram 1, so much of my assumptions about spiritual growth and transformation um, were rooted in—so an Enneagram one is they're called a perfectionist or a reformer, and they, they kind of have this uh, justice, righteousness kind of bone in their body where they're they're wanting to—yeah, they want to see justice done. They want to see what's right uh, happen in the world. Uh, but that can oftentimes devolve into um, sort of a self-righteousness and a critiquing of everything that they like perceive as wrong. Like a critical spirit. Yeah, critical, judgmental. Um, that, that's, that's kind of what a one, uh, can devolve into. Um, but one of the th- most helpful things is I used to kind of think of spiritual formation as stop being bad, Yeah. which is, that's kind of a one's mantra, yeah. right? Everybody stop being bad, including yeah, just, me. Just follow the rules. Yeah. Follow the rules. Stop being bad, including me. Um, even though I'm a little bit like, I've sometimes had a, an interesting, uh, relationship with the rules because a lot of times ones are rule followers. Older brothers. Right. Yeah, they can be older brothers. But I I have had a little bit of a different. I feel like if the rules make sense to me, I'm happy to follow them. But if they don't make sense, like I will be the first to break them because I don't think they make sense. So that's probably the critical thing, though, coming out. It's like these rules suck. Uh, I'm going to make up some new ones. Uh, my rules are, are better than these. My yours. rules are better than these. Yeah, you know, you've made these some rules.
4: rules, but my rules are going to be. Yeah,
2: my rules are the ones that we really need to be doing. Anyway, but I, I used to have this vision that spiritual formation for me was stop being bad like that. Yeah. Um, but the Enneagram has given a vision for um, moving through. One of, the, one of the ways Richard Rohr talks about it is moving through your sin to find this virtue on the other side of it where you can't, you can't become holy by avoiding your sin, by going around it, by backing away from it, by just trying to stop doing these activities of sin. And so one of the ways that the Enneagram has been really helpful is that it doesn't just name the activity of sin. It doesn't just say, hey, sometimes you're really critical. You should stop being Knock critical, right? Knock it, Knock off, it off. Where my vision of that has been, okay, I'm going to notice what's wrong, but then I don't have, I shouldn't say anything. But that doesn't help me, you know what I mean, like overall, because I'm still, there's still this impulse, right, this desire to point it out, and I have to examine that. But even the impulse,
1: yeah, even the impulse to self-correct yourself... Right, that's even your, part of it. Is yeah, your yeah. critic criticizing your critic? <laughs>
4: right, right, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a second critic.
1: You know those you <laughs> know those finger.
4: Those I'm being tra- way too critical. <laughs> I like can't a, believe that I'm being so critical. Meta, meta. A it's
1: like part. those one of those finger traps you put yeah. your fingers in and you try yeah, to pull yeah. them out. It gets them yeah. stuck even yeah, worse. Totally,
2: totally. Yeah. So so the one of the things that's been so helpful has been has been realizing no the way the way through is to is to confront the reality of it and name it and be present to it and to realize that there is a gift on the other side of this i don't i don't become holy by s- i don't become something other than a one uh, i move into my virtue i move into my gift um, what which, is your virtue well i think it's traditionally named serenity but what it, what it refers to is the ability to accept oh yeah the world just as it is yeah you know I, so when it's I, a big discipline for me when
1: you think of that I think of George Cassandra's dad <laughs> who would scream serenity now <laughs> serenity is, now did he have <laughs> right
4: was, yeah, maybe he
2: had some Enneagram one
4: streak
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
4: it was, it Festivus was, for the rest of us <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah we're back to Festivus no uh, but that's been a really helpful thing for me to realize okay there is there is a gift on the other side of this that, that ones can be wise they can be s- discerning mm. they can see the way through but the way through is not to just repress my critic the way through is to realize that, uh, like, there's a reason that I want to be critical, but I can, I can drop this. Like, I can drop this
4: and I can accept
2: well, yeah. that this person is just as they are right here. And,
4: and also knowing that that critique is needed. Like, we, we actually need you. Like right. All critique Seeing, is not bad. Right. right. Seeing what's wrong isn't necessarily bad. Yeah. right? It's no, just We need leaders that can right. define the problem and
2: yes. define what's wrong and define yeah, what's going but on. The freedom for me has been realizing I can see what's wrong but also just accept that it's there and also then exercise the discernment and the wisdom to know, do I need to say something about this? Yeah. And I'm also free to say nothing.
4: Yeah. I'm free to do both. Yeah, it's good. Like that's good. The, that's the I think the gift. Enneagram's helped, like it helps me with ambition, mm. right? Because all ambition isn't wrong, but oftentimes the way that I pursue ambition is wrong, right? Yeah. So the same yeah. thing. All critique is not wrong, Right. Yeah. But, but there has to be a, a, a measure of balance and understanding yes. and discernment within the midst yeah. of that.
1: So you guys are talking about something that's really important, I think the Enneagram does for us, which is in Christian circles that I grew up in, typically when you talked about sin, it was like, don't gamble, Yeah. don't have adultery, don't, Don't listen activities. to music backwards. Don't it's listen to specific sins. Don't listen yeah. to the raps. You know, and, <laughs> or the heavy so metal. The, or raps. the heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, what the Enneagram does is it says, your core motivation that leads you into the worst of sin is actually a good motivation.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so the, the temptations that grab us aren't the worst ideas to ruin our lives. It's the best ideas to bring us, quote, life. Right. And those best ideas to bring us life actually trap us right. in sin and brokenness. Right. Because right?
2: We, we're seeking goodness apart from receiving it from God. Yeah. We're trying to achieve it for ourselves. Yeah. yeah.
1: And this is our, this is the predicament of most of us who aren't masochists and, well, yeah. and psychopaths.
2: Yeah. People don't sin because they're like, how could I hurt someone? The most people. The be, you today. know, they don't wake up yeah. thinking like, I'd really love to hurt my kids today. I'll think I'll mm-hmm. yell at them. Mm-hmm. I'll find something to yell. At. No. There's something else. So to use my kids as an example, like for me as an Enneagram one— Anytime I got into hurting my kids by raising my voice, ultimately what I was doing, I realized, what am I trying to do? I'm seeking righteousness, yeah. right? I want them to like do well and do good in life, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But because I, I, I wasn't able to sort of receive that from the Lord and accept them as they are and kind of work with them, because I was seeking it in my own strength— you know, I end up sort of doubling down and trying to coerce. Like being pressure,
1: like putting pressure on putting them. Putting
2: pressure on them to be righteous, even though, yeah. like, you know, that's a good motivation yeah. to seek, ra- I mean, yeah. unrighteousness sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, right, You know what I mean? Like, right. wickedness is awful. That should yeah. be the
4: name the of the podcast today, Unrighteousness, unrighteousness
2: Sucks. Unrighteousness Sucks. It's ruining the world. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, my son is a one, he's 11, mm. and um, we were on this conference call yesterday, or two days ago for our church, where we're... we're um, Hosting and sponsoring some refugees that are coming into the country, yeah. they need uh, host homes uh, because adults also sleep in cages. Yeah, I just learned this. Yeah, not just every, the kids. But every,
2: and they, the, the ones we're hosting, are coming from Africa. They're but coming they, from Africa, they reroute them to these detention centers on the southern border in, in so Texas. There's like, yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, so there's two families that are hosting them. We're we're on this call, and um, Deacon cares passionately about this. Wishes we could host them, but. Uh, we're not going to. Uh, anyway, it's a long story. So, anyway, somebody on the call is like, hey, Deacon, do you have a thought for the day for us? And he was like, oh, mm. you know, putting the 11. He in, took it so seriously. He did. He as was, a one would. He yeah. was thinking about it and he, he gave 30 seconds of thinking. And uh, I was really proud of our community. that let him think. And then mm-hmm. somebody's like, well, you don't have to answer. And Deacon's like, I'll tell you later. So, later, this is what <laughs> he said. This is an Enneagram yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, not everything is black and white, Dad. Mm. Even if you want things to be black and white, most of reality isn 't black and white mm. and like that 's a healing thought for an eleven year old
2: yeah yeah, enneagram one yes and for yeah for a one for a one for both yes
1: you know so so he 's like it 's great he 's like reflecting on what he 's learning mm-hmm. and like you know for me, as a four who actually never knows what they want
4: i 'm mm-hmm.
1: like I wish things were black and white more. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it might be healing for me. It Might be good news. It might be for good news be, yeah, for me yeah, yeah. to be more black and white. Right. So yeah, I, I think that that gives a little bit of like uh, flesh to like what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah so anyway, we right. want to
1: talk about the enneagram more. Yeah. yeah. And how it can function in giving us vision and language for our progression and holiness.
2: Yeah. Totally. Growing There's so into much to say. Maturity yeah. into Christ likeness. Yeah. yeah. And in effect, like, it's not, I mean, man, it just, I'm thinking of so many things that happened to me recently where, like, part of the reason I think I had the self-awareness to realize what was going on is because of the Enneagram. Like, well, like, Enneagram ones tend to take responsibility. And one of the things I've been realizing lately about just the way I navigate my life is that I, I, I have, the way that I've found my way into, like, can I be here, do you like me, do you want me around, is I've realized that it, it has to do with my competence. So I've, I've thought that I have to bring some level of, I have to have something of value to you offer. have to
1: demonstrate competence in order to be In
2: esteemed. order to be here, yeah. right? And so um, I was, I was uh, talking, so this manifests itself with my kids, who are mostly older now. Um, I've got a 22-year-old, a 19-year-old, a 15-year-old, no, she's 16 now, 16-year-old <laughs> and a 14-year-old. Um, and so, the way that I used to sort of be of value to them, well, I mean, I'm still am their dad, but like I, as their dad, I would like teach them lessons and, you know, wipe like, their bottom. Yeah, you know, right. That would be something I would do too. But I, f- I found my sort of value in the sense that dad has some wise things to say oh, and he I has see. some good advice, right? But now, as my kids are getting older and I'm learning more about, you know, who I am and that, that kind of thing, I'm actually finding it, I find it deeply frustrating if I, either don't have anything to offer them or they don't want it, right? If they don't want dad's advice, it's like, I feel this immediate, I'm mean, we like sort of thwarting. Joke around
1: like you feel like a thwarted.
2: Yeah. Like, wait, like you're, you're thwarting my whole schema for how I'm valuable here.
4: Which most teenagers love their dad's advice,
2: <laughs> right? I know. I don't know what's wrong with my kids. <laughs> it's, so, it's so weird. No, but, uh, but the, 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 I mean, the redemptive thing in it is that we're, we kind of, they know this about me, and so we can joke about it, um, but, but it's, been, it's been an interesting thing to just recognize mm-hmm. that when I launch into, my immediate thought oftentimes is to launch into advice, or like, here's a word of wisdom, or maybe think about this instead of this, right? So my immediate sort of impulse is to do that, and then when it's rejected, or it doesn't seem to be what actually will help them, There's this immediate shame that comes over me where I'm like, well, what good am I? Why am I even here? Like, I literally want to leave the room Hmm. if that happens. And so I've started to learn to just examine that and go like, why do I want to leave here? Okay, it's because I don't feel valuable, but I'm learning like my presence is value like for them and learning to just be there and accept where they're at and accept that I maybe don't have anything to say to you like right now. Maybe I don't have any good advice. Apparently, I don't, because you won't take it. But I'm learning to say, like, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Yeah. It just means that, okay, I don't have what I need in this situation, but maybe my presence is enough here.
1: Then I think I I just had a breakthrough in my marriage.
2: Oh. Wow. My, because? My
1: wife is a one. Oh.
2: And Sharon, if you're listening.
1: And when I often share things that perplex me, which, yeah. by the way, about 89 times a day, I'm perplexed. <laughs> I've never <laughs> noticed what that. What is going on? <laughs> I've never noticed that. I'm in a... I'm in a uh, tsunami of perplexion most of the time. Okay,
2: <laughs> so when you share things that perplexion, another good title for
4: this podcast: so, a yes. tsunami of perplexion. So
1: uh, my wife tends to assume that she needs that sh- that I, what I need from her is for her to, you know, maybe maybe this Fix is, it. yeah, like yeah. bring some solution or competence to my problem. Yeah. Um, Gosh. And uh and, <laughs> uh, yes. and I, I end up telling her. In, in very calm, <laughs> kind ways. Uh, I just
4: need you to hold me. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I just, I just need you to hear me and, and yeah, thank yeah. me for sharing. I mean, this has been, yeah. we're, we've been married 20 years almost, yeah, and so still, it's, a, it's a journey. But yeah. anyway, honey, for listening, I love you. But <laughs> there's, there's a sense in which I'm noticing, like, it's so helpful for me to be aware yeah. of what my wife's needs are yeah. when I'm not getting my needs met.
4: Yes Come on In yes. marriage
1: Right Right So if I'm not getting my needs met There's like this four year old That's like th- like throwing a tantrum Right You know right. Taking the mashed right. potatoes And throwing them on the wall And like yeah. rubbing his dirty bottom on the, You know what I mean I'm just like fl- flipping right. out
2: Metaphorically Or maybe sometimes
1: no, literally No no I don't <laughs> do that right
4: At home Yeah I, no. I haven't seen I've been to your dinner table I haven't no, no, seen no, that no, one no, yet No 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 The, the,
1: the police were really clear <laughs> You will not do this again this sir This will never happen <laughs> No, so there's a, yeah, there's a little, there's a little boy in me that's demanding my needs get met. Mm. But uh, what the Enneagram does on my best days is it gives me lenses to see that my wife has needs too. Yeah. And she's not, she's not being um, insensitive or a jerk right. or uh, disconnected. Yeah. She's simply doing the best she can yeah. with her frame of reality. Yeah, And, and like, I think this is one of the things that uh, has helped me have compassion more than anything is just to. Just to realize, not everybody sees the world like me. Yeah, and everybody has the same concern I do, which is, am I okay? Am I going to be okay?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and because we've all got different strategies for being okay, those sometimes butt up against each yeah, other. They, and be, yeah, they. we don't have the same impulses. And I, I would, I would say that I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's the, that's one of the most helpful things for our marriage. So for wait, my wait, wife wait, and wait. I. Wait, wait,
1: wait! You just referenced me, you and I.
2: Oh well, I didn't mean to, but. There is uh, a lot of joking (laughs) about our marriage, (laughs) ministry marriage, Uh, but no, uh, my marriage to my wife Deb. Thank you. Um, Where I'm clarification, yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thanks. In that, in that, uh, in that scenario, I'm I'm the one, right? And so I'm typically the fixer, and so Deb is usually the one sharing how work was really hard today, and this person yelled at me, and you know, I you know whatever else she's sharing. But I recognize my immediate impulse is to. Fix it or help her feel better. Like, well, you know, let me tell you something that'll help you feel better or give you a new way to think about it, that kind of thing. Yeah. And she has to remind me a lot. Like, I just need you to hear me. Yeah. Like, I'm not looking for anything else, but like, that sounds hard. Yeah. And so uh, oftentimes I just, I I come back to that. I'm like, okay, what does she need here in this moment? Because not the things that feel obvious to me aren't obvious to her and the things that are obvious to her don't feel obvious to me.
1: Yeah, one of the strategies we have with our son, um, who knows he's a one, mm. because he read an Enneagram book at like age six. to fig- <laughs> Which is what an Enneagram does. F- Enneagram one does. To yeah. figure out who he is. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he's got this critic, right, where his yeah. seven-year-old sister will, like, draw a picture, and he'll be like, the perspective's all messed up on that. <laughs> <laughs> There's not 3D at all, you know what I mean? Like, and so we've named, we've named, like, his, his critic, we've named him Steve. Yeah. And we're just like... Brilliant. We just make jokes about it. Yeah. I'm like, hey, buddy, tell Steve he can take a break. Yeah. Tell Steve to go watch an episode yeah. of, you know, yeah. Bunked. Right. Right? And and that, uh, and that then he kind of laughs, but we're able to talk about the critic yeah. without him feeling like shame and pressure to yes. critic, criticize the critic. Yes. Yes. Like, so we just joke about the it's critic. huge. Yes. As a way to de-attach him from the need to satisfy that inner voice. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. It's a brilliant strategy. Like, I think in two ways. One, the humor. Like, I've, I've been learning that any time I can bring humor, like, when, when I can get all of us laughing about this, like, it's, it, it's always better. 100% of the time, if we can laugh, yes, it's better. We can figure it out. Right. Because we're we're out of our, I mean, to use neurology language, we're out of our amygdalas and our yes. fight or flight, and we're into our prefrontal cortex, and we can kind of get a perspective on it. And that's the other thing I think that's brilliant about naming the inner critic, is that Deacon gets some, that's your son, uh, he gets some distance from that voice in his head, and it's not him, so it's there's Steve no shame G's attached fault. to it. Yeah. It's Steve's fault. It's yeah. Steve doing this. Yeah. It's not, you're such a bad kid. Yeah. You know, it's more like, hey, let's tell Steve to take a break. He's different than, like your inner critic is not you. The yes. only way super helpful. The
1: only way for the inner critic to get healed for you and for my son yeah. is for there to be some compassion yeah. and gentleness towards him. Yes. Right?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. And this is... For uh, you to
1: learn to treat yourself the way Christ does yes. is, is what we're saying. Yeah. This is deeply theological work. It is. It is.
2: It it is. It's helpful. Yeah. So the, it, it's not just this pop psychology kind of thing that is like, ah, oh, where did this come from? I mean, you can use it that way. It's. I don't think it's very helpful if no. you use it that way. Yeah, yeah,
4: it's all the kids that are like, well, you're just an eight, you know. It's, yeah, you're, yeah, it's that kind of... Right, yeah. dismissing That's people on the basis of say. it, right. Yeah.
2: Or, or dismissing their own actions on, on, on basis of it. But I think that um, the way that it's been helpful is if you if you do use it as a Christian theological tool, I think it actually yeah. works really well. Yeah. And um, w- uh, maybe end the episode just with this anecdote um, that... Naming the inner critic reminded me of, um, my wife was talking about this. So my wife is a six, Enneagram six. And there it's the need to, um, uh, I can't think of it right now. What the, is it? the loyalist. The loyalist. Yeah. yeah they're they so they're a, extremely loyal. They have a and need for
1: safety and security. Yeah.
2: The need to be secure. The need to be safe. So, so Deb has recognized, my wife has recognized that there's a lot of, um, just anxiety about, about like, is everything going to be okay? Right. That kind of thing. Um, and we were listening to some uh, some dog training videos. We got this new little dog. She's two two and a half. We've had her two, two and a half years. She's part of the family, but she still feels new she's sometimes. Still new. Yeah, but she's this tiny little thing, and she's a little bit high strung, um, as yeah. you know, as dogs go. Yeah, where like anybody who comes to the door, anybody who walks past the house. Is a potential threat, yeah, and so she'll start barking. Edith is her name. Edith yeah. is her name. Yeah, Edith really loves me. Yeah, well, she loves every stranger. I would hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> no, it's she just loves me. every stranger. It's, yeah, it's just right. me. Enneagram three wants Edith to especially love me. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah. It's mostly. But me. anyway, but um, so she'll <laughs> mostly bark. Mostly me. Yeah, and so we used to get super frustrated at her, and I still do sometimes. And sort of, you know, sort of like, stop barking. Yeah. Like, cut it out. Shuch, Everything's fine. You know, like, like getting angry with yeah, her. Yeah, and work. this dog trainer was saying, like, actually, she thinks you're, like, affirming the fact that we should all be very afraid right now because you're barking too, in essence. And so the dog trainer said, all you do is you walk into the room and you say, thank you. And then you walk out of the room. And basically, what you're doing is is... Thanking the dog for trying to protect the pack. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. thank you. Yeah, but I'm not worried, and everything's going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. I don't and think that'll be okay. work. Ben, I'm, I'm mm, going to be. Working. Is it working? Yeah, it is working. Is, she it is really? cal- She's calming down. Just thank you.
4: And here's the point of all Can this. Can you come over and yeah. talk to Jimmy? Oh. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, by the way,
1: Jimmy is still available in case <laughs> yeah, we've Jimmy offered him before <laughs> on the podcast. He had his yes. seventh
4: birthday yesterday. <laughs> oh, yeah. good. Yeah. He's, he, he's Happy a terrible, to Jimmy. terrible dog. <laughs> you,
1: you had a point to make, though, so about the Edith. Point, the
2: point heard. Yeah. So to make sure we connect all this. Um, <laughs> so Deb had this realization uh, where she, she realized, oh, that little voice that's always warning me about what could go wrong is Edith. Oh, man. It's Edith barking. Hmm. And so she's learning, it's beautiful to hear her talk about this, but she's learning, we should get her on the podcast, but she's learning to have some compassion for that and say say thank you to her fear. Basically say like, thank you, I know you're trying to keep me safe, Mm. but we don't need to obsess about that right now. That's beautiful. You can stop barking. That's beautiful. You know what I mean? Isn't that great? Mm. Yeah. So well, that's, I mean, that's another, I mean, that's how it's affecting her spiritual formation.
4: It's, is it's great. the ability to take a look at your life and be honest without any attachment to, is this right or wrong? Yeah. Like that kind of, yeah. there's no attachment to value. Yeah, in it. Yeah, this, yeah.
2: This is what is, and there's value in just naming it as what it is, and re- yeah. and knowing that God is with you, in it, and and God's grace is available to you. It it's corresponds. Good. I to our still axiom. don't think that works that's with right. dogs. But
4: well, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate that story. It's the most, working with
1: Edith, the most important information about Edith. These days. I try and
4: kick Jimmy <laughs> is that, when he does it. Is that, if you is that what on you're on the supposed to podcast? do? If you yes, work so for the ASPCA, please. The police made it clear.
1: Edith has a new boyfriend. <laughs> is that right? Dude,
2: oh, my gosh. So this, is, this doesn't have anything to do with the Enneagram, <laughs> but it's the cutest thing in the world. So Edith uh, does not like other dogs in general. She's just afraid of them. She's like, I don't have time for you. Uh, I'm a human. I think she thinks she's a human. So she loves other humans. Yeah, when, she does. When yeah. I come over yeah, there, yeah. she's a big fan. She loves other humans. Other dogs, she's like either terrified or she's like, what? Like, what? Yeah. Why are you talking to me? Yeah, like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. But there is this uh, little dog named Edmund uh, who is Edmund about and her size, Edith. Yeah. Edmund and Edith, and Edmund is about nine months old, and Edmund goes for walks in the same neighborhood, and like a few weeks ago, Edith started like whining, every time she sees Edmund, she starts whining, and if she's on a leash, she just runs toward Edmund, yeah. and they like, they have this little uh, sort of flirt- Momo, flirtatious, like, yeah. I don't know. I'm oh, interpreting wow. it as flirtatious, kind of playful like they play with each other, and mm-hmm. they really want to sort of. Uh, and so, if Edmund walks by and Edith is in the house, we just hear her whining, and we're like, "Oh, Edmund's walking." Edmund's by. outside. So Edith it's like the it's like a couple boyfriend. from Downton Abbey. Yeah. Edmund Edith and Edith. Edmund, <laughs> yeah, right. they're courting right now. Yeah, and so once met, their parents give them permission, I think yeah. they'll marry uh, on the morrow. And uh, anyway, yeah. So she's got a she's got a boyfriend. That's really sweet. <laughs> yeah, be careful. It is pretty sweet.
1: Teenage girls. <laughs> Yeah, look out. In, in dog ears. She is uh, what? Uh, she's, she's like 18 in dog ears. Yeah, 18 in dog ears. She's ready to, all right, you know, buddy. ready to hook up. Lock with, that, uh, dear. With Lock that dog. down.
4: This has gone terribly <laughs> wrong.
1: <laughs> if uh, So, anyway, this is. <laughs> Welcome to Dog Love Chat. Oh, man. We're down.
2: No. How did this. Anyway. So,
1: anyway, we're beginning a series on the Instagram. Yeah. I mean, this is know, why we're talking about it because of how. Uh, transformational and yeah. important it's been for us, yeah. and how it points us towards Christ and the mm-hmm. gospel, yes. rather than becomes the gospel or yes. becomes a category or label yeah. or box we put people in. Yeah, totally, it's good.
2: And because because of it because of that we do um, we do these enneagram workshops um, that we'll put a link in the show notes. But um, if you're interested in hosting a workshop, kind of come bringing us out to, to talk, we talk through the enneagram, we teach through it. Um, and then we, we, we have a series of exercises that allow you to develop a spiritual transformation experiment. Yes. Um, based on your number, that just as like, here, here's some things I'm going to try this week, maybe this month, maybe this year, some new practices that will help me lean into the good news that God wants to speak over me, yeah. specifically yeah. In, my, in my number. So, so and it's
4: really fun. It is. It's they're really fun, fun workshops. Yeah, they're always fun. We
2: yeah. have a great time, there's a lot of uh, humor. It's it's fun.
1: So we know. Do we know who's going to be? Our, we have some big guests lined up for this.
2: Yeah. Well, AJ Sherrill, uh, who d- does this these kinds of workshops yeah. as well, who's a pastor uh, in Grand
1: Rapids. Uh, Chuck Degroat.
2: Chuck Degroat, who's yeah. also in the Grand Rapids yeah. area,
1: um, in Holland, whoa. Michigan. Ooh, Grand, Grand Rapids. Rapids. Yeah, 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 interesting. Uh, Barack Obama. Is he coming? <laughs> he's going to come on he's and
4: talk great. about his time. Uh, we he's could great. theorize about uh, how, uh, how Werner
1: Herzog, <laughs> <laughs>
2: filmmaker, <laughs> the f- famous German.
1: Fa- so anyway, stay tuned. Wayne Gretzky. Right.
2: Some of those people will be on the podcast. Stefan Mayberry, who's
1: still in China. <laughs> it's anyway. Right. Uh it's coaching now. We're gonna go have fun. We're gonna go yeah, we're gonna we're, grab some dinner.
2: We're gonna grab some dinner. This is what this is our life right now. And we're uh yeah, we're, we're excited to bring the this series. Yeah. Um, feel free to hit us up at podcast at gravityleadership.com if you have ideas or questions, uh specifically about the Enneagram. Yeah. We're excited to to bring this series to you and uh hope you have a really nice day. See you next week.
3: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media, too. And we would love to hear from you, so please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join.